praying. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Queen of all saints, pray for us. In the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. <coughs> Tonight's conference is on making reparation to God. When God created the world, He did so to manifest His own perfections. That is, He endowed all of creation with various different kinds of perfections to manifest the different perfections as they are in Him. And St. Thomas says that glory is the manifestation of some excellence or perfection. And so God created the world in order to manifest his own glory. That is, he created it for his own glory and for his own honor. Every time we sin, we block or, uh, or prohibit or actually destroy some of the glory that is rightfully God's because insofar as he created the, uh, the world it's his possessions so in a certain sense we commit a kind of a robbery when we take away from him what is rightfully his so just as any time just as whenever anyone commits any act of theft they have to pay back to the people that they took from so whenever we rob God of some glory we have an obligation to pay him back therefore we need to make reparation for a few reasons. The first is because uh, um, we have detracted from God's glory. Now, the, the theologians make a distinction between intrinsic and extrinsic glory. What does that mean? Well, intrinsic glory is the glory that God, the manifestation of the perfections in God himself. And no sin whatsoever that we commit can detract from God's intrinsic glory. And it's always perfect and infinite in itself. And all those in heaven see the perfect manifestation of that glory when they see him face to face. But then there is extrinsic glory, and that is the glory that is in the created world. And that we have to be careful about. Anytime we commit a sin, it's always an injustice to God. And therefore, reparation is the process by which we pay back to God through retributive justice what is due to him, namely glory, and therefore honor. So reparation is the process by which we pay back to God the glory that's due to him. And that means that we must do something above and beyond what we would normally do in order to pay him back. What we normally do is what we still have to continue to pay him, or to always to give to him. But we have to go above and beyond that in order to pay back that which we've taken from him. The justice of God in this regard is very strict. For instance, we read in Matthew 5, 23, 6 through, through 6, if, there, if therefore thou offer thy gift at the altar, and there thou remember that thy brother hath anything against thee, leave there thy offering before thy altar, and go first to reconcile thy brother and then coming thou shalt offer thy gift. Be in agreement with thy adversary before. Whilst thou art in the way with him. In other words, do it while you have a chance. Least perhaps your adversary deliver you to the judge, and your judge deliver you to the officer who will cast you into prison. I say to you, thou shalt not come from hence until that ha thou hast paid the last farthing. So what this means is, is that we have to pay 
exacting reparation to God to the degree that we can. And he's going to extract it from us, either in this life or the next. So what's the moral of the story? You can pay it back before you have to pay for it the next, uh, or you're just going to pay for it in the next life. Again, that's one of the reasons we have purgatory. Purgatory is not only to purge us, but it's to pay back the glory that, uh, that we took from him. There are some sins, however, that are so grave that, and, and because of their nature, we are incapable in this life or even in the next to truly pay for them. In which case, we must do everything we can to do reparation to the degree that we can. For example, if somebody starts a heresy or spreads heresy, the damage just spreads, and he may not be able to con- control it all, and it may become so grave because people start losing their souls, he could never pay it back. Or in the case of having an abortion, it's one of those things that once someone has an abortion, that's it. They can never recoup the life. They can never pay back to the person they took the life from. And in a certain sense, they could never pay back to God because they've taken something which they have no capacity to replace. We can't replace life. In these cases, we must deliver. That is, in those cases where it's just so profound that we can't repay it all, we have to deliver ourselves to the mercy of God and take the consolation from him when he says, Behold, I make all things new. In other words, it is not we can do everything we can to repay, but it's ultimately up to God to restore the perfections in his created order. We have to cooperate that, and when he restores these perfections, then he makes things new again. So even if, like for instance, in our past, the sins of our past life we're feeling that it's just a bit overwhelming, then we have to kind of in a certain, certain sense throw ourselves at God's mercy and just say, you know, God, I'll do whatever I can, but please have mercy on me and don't make me pay the last farthing, otherwise I'll never get out of purgatory. All right. The other reason, another reason we have to make reparation is because we cause damage to ourselves and others every time we commit a sin. By sin, we contract in our souls an inclination towards sin sometimes called a habit, uh, which becomes but does not perfectly form by a single action. In other words, the minute you commit a single sin, there is in the soul the beginning of an inclination towards sin. And this reaches all the way to the depths of our soul. One of the things that people have this idea, you know, is you know, they might put two cents in the collection basket and say, well, I made up for the last week's sin, not realizing that the profundity of our of our disorder cuts all the way down to the depths of our soul. I mentioned, you know, that there's this act of purgation that we can do on our own. That is, we can purge our imperfections to as far as we can. But there comes a point, because they're so deep in our soul, God himself has to pull them out. And that's why there is, we have to go through a passive purgation where our, our sufferings greatly increase. And this is, God allows this to happen to us, or he actually puts us through this, in order to purify us. This inclination towards sin is called a defect, or a vice even, if it becomes habitual. Since it is in the soul, you have to make reparation. The term reparation means to repair. You have to repair the damage. And you have to do it either in this life or the next life. So what happens is, because we get all our faculties disordered in this life, because of the sins that we commit, we have to perform actions to get them more straightened out again. So you have to perform acts of virtue in order to get yourself straightened out. Because if you don't, when you get to purgatory, then you have to pay for it there. In other words, you have to get your faculty straightened out there because, as I mentioned, uh, in the 
conference on prayer. You can't view God if you have any imperfections in any of the faculties because it will just block or inhibit your enjoyment of the beatific vision. So all of that has to be pur purged from you. Most people think, you know, I'm not too bad. Well, that's because you're just blind. It's not until people realize how bad they really are and can see it in the depths of their soul that they're actually usually on the right track. But this, uh, you know, in Purgatory, they always say the punishment fits the crime. You know, if you lie a lot, you know, you read in that book Purgatory, which is a great meditation. In there, it's, you know, the, the people who lied a lot or committed sins of the tongue would have molten lead pulled down their throat, you know. And there's a certain proportion because if you're going to sin by your tongue, well, guess what? You should suffer and manifest God's glory through the tongue again. Now, you can either do it in this life by praying a lot vocally, or you can pay for it in the next life by drinking molten lead. It's up to you. But anyway, the point is, the point is, is that in, in, in purgatory, the punishments fit the crime precisely because it undoes the damage that we have caused. Therefore, you have to make reparation by performing actions contrary to the damage which you cause. If you eat too much, then you should fast and abstain to get those faculties under control. You know, if you're having a problem with chastity, then you should take on some type of mortification to repair the damage in the concupiscible appetite, which is that appetite inclined towards those things. If you've lied, then you should try and repair the damage of the lie. Go back to the people that you might have lied to and say, look, it's not, it's not exactly what I... Uh, it's not exactly the truth, unless that's going to cause more damage, in which case you don't want to be responsible for that, so you're better off keeping your mouth shut uh, and then straightening it out in other ways by trying to work on always saying the truth. But anyway, each, each vice has its opposite virtue, and so you strive for the action of those virtues in order to repair the damage in your faculties. Also, sometimes we cause problem in other people's sin by inducing them to sin, and then they become disordered, so we have to make up for that. The problem with our sin is that it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of like genetically ba altered bacteria. Once you get one out, they just multiply out of control. And it's kind of like that with the damage of our sin. Once we commit sin and we induce other people to sin, it just kind of like mushrooms and gets out of our control. That's why you have to keep it uh, very much under control. This is one of the reasons why I'm very careful about, um, you know, things I'll say from the pulpit, because if you sp speak something false... Like, for instance, a priest, even if it's unbeknownst to you, you've got to get back up there and say, look at the, what I said, you know, this is actually the case, I've looked at it, and, you know. And that's humiliating, but that's the price you have to pay for being stupid. All right. When others sin, while we are not required in strict justice to make reparation for other people's sins, because unless we're the cause of it, of course, but sometimes we see other people committing sin, it is a good thing to do so. And there's a number of reasons why which we'll see. To make acts of reparation for the sins of others increases our grace and merit in heaven because God is very pleased that we, when we see this deficit in his, glo his glory or his manifestation of his perfection, try to counteract that with a greater manifestation of, of perfection. It also becomes a great source of mercy for us because God sees our desire to mitigate offenses against him. So when we try and make reparation to him, he's, he's much more inclined to give us his mercy. And it also helps us to merit actual graces for those who are offending God. I mean, if we see people offending God, we should do some type of reparation to merit the grace so that they can get straightened out. This is why when you see others committing sin, even against yourself, 
you should try to make reparation for them rather than harp on the other person's defect. This is what Christ did at Calvary. You know, he saw other people's defects and yet he still repaired the damage by hanging upon the cross. You know, sometimes this is the case, you know, you see, and uh, people have heard me complain a lot about this, but there's so much profanation of our Lord's name today, it's almost, you know, you can't, you can't watch any, you can't watch two or three minutes of TV without the constant barrage of that type of uh, profanity. But even in today in modern parlance, even with people who are just, you know, they think that it's okay to use these, these terms, they're constantly blaspheming our Lord's name today. And it's so habitual in people, they, they don't even see it. And so I've got into the habit of any time I hear that, saying, you know, saying the um, divine praise, which is opposite of the, of the form of blasphemy that they commit. And there's some days it seems like all I'm doing is repeating, you know, blessed be God, blessed be God, because people just constantly profaning his name. But in doing so, uh, we can make up for the other person's fault. And, and rather than becoming fixated on that, we can become fixed on repairing or, uh, God's um, creation. By making reparation for the sins of others, we mitigate the possibility of suffering for the sins of others due to no fault of our own. Sometimes God's punishment on a civilization is not distinguished between good people and bad people. He just wipes them all out. So, um, you know, it's kind of the uh, God practices his own, the, was the line from John Wayne, you know, shoot them all and let God sort them out. Well, God just wipes them all out and then he sorts them out. So, the point is, is that if you live in a nation that becomes very evil, there are certain things that God will only tolerate for so long. For instance, the four sins crying to heaven for vengeance, he'll only tolerate them so long and then he'll wipe the, the civilization out. And that's where we're at today. That's why we have to make reparations so that we don't end up getting, um, having to suffer for other people's sins. Also, you should do it for the, for the good. It is for, their, um, it, is for the, it is for your own good because it is for your perfection and greater merit in heaven. Um, so even when we see other people commit sin, we just we shouldn't become, you know, judgmental or anything like that. But we should try and set about repairing the damage. So how do you make reparation? I've already mentioned it a little bit. The first is that you perform acts contrary to the offense. That is, you do the exact opposite of the offense. So as I mentioned, those who sin against the sixth or ninth commandment should fast, abstain, to bring their concupiscible appetite under control. When one has detracted against others, then you should say something positive about them to restore their name. You have to observe the obligations of retributive justice to possessions. Um, you know, like for instance, if you take something from somebody, you've got to give it back. Also, because that's one of the ways you repair the uh, transcendent order of justice, to pay back to God by giving people back what's rightfully theirs. But another thing that a person possesses is not just something, it's their reputation. If you destroy someone's reputation, then you have an obligation to try and repair it. And also, you should, um, if you, you have an obligation to repay back if you've harmed people's physical well-being or things like that, then you should try and do what you can to help take care of them. Saying one is sorry when one has offended someone else is also a way in which you can make reparation. You know, it says in the Old Testament, don't let the sun go down in anger. Maybe that was St. Paul. That was St. Paul, I think. Uh, this is very important for married people or people living in common. That is, if something has happened, if there's been some rift that's happened between you and someone else, then you go and you say you're sorry. That means you take the humiliation and you accept it as a way of, of repairing the damage 
because if the rift arose from proud, then you should accept the humiliation. And even if it's not, we all deserve to be humiliated anyway because of our sins. You just accept that in order to repair it. It is very common. It's, it's, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but one of the biggest problems with married people is that they become the occasion of each other's sin. You know, the minute the guy sees his wife, he's... And, you know, it doesn't matter. It, all she's got to do is one thing that irritates him, and he's he flies off the handle. Or, on the other hand, if she can be the... Women can do the same thing. It's, you know, it's not a gender issue. It's both do the same thing. Because they're both affected by original sin. But rarely do you hear... Sometimes in confession, I'll just ask people, did you, did you say you were sorry? No. Well... Go back to your leave your sacrifice at the altar and go and reconcile yourself with the brother because you still have to um, repair the damage between you and the other individual. If one has not prayed enough throughout one's life, which applies to most of us, then you should pray more than strict justice requires. For example, more than 15 to 30 minutes a day in order to make reparation. Knowledge of the virtues helps you to know which sins are contrary to the vices and which actions to perform in order to make up for the sin. So if you're guilty of anger, you should know that meekness is its opposite virtue. Or if you're one of these people that's prone to silliness and stupidity in your external actions because you're unjudicious, it's commonly called the vice of indecorum or scurrility, then you should work on the virtue of decorum so that your externals are more properly regulated. Uh, this is quite important, particularly for, like, for instance, if people have dressed immodestly, then the way that they make up for the damage of that is to try and dress modestly and do it out of a supernatural motive of charity and to, uh, to never do anything against modesty. Some acts can always be offered up as a form of reparation, even, even if they're not opposite of the offense. For example, making holy hours of reparation. You know, there's books available on it. They've got the little pamphlets that are quite good, at least the ones I've seen before Vatican II. I, can't, I haven't looked at anything after Vatican II. Sorry about my defect there, but... Uh, Basically, what it comes down to is you can find those pamphlets and use them. Go, go, to the whole, go to the church. Fridays at 3 o'clock is particularly useful. But if you can't, then any time is, uh, is good to go and make hours of reparation. Also, by making reparation, we tend to purify ourselves of our own sins. And as a result, we you know, will have to pay back in purgatory again. But even if we're just trying to make reparation to God and that's our intention, it has a purifying effect on us so we also gain the effect of the reparation. Making holy communions of reparation such as exhorted on First Fridays. Also, sometimes it's good to, you know, there's so many people committing sacrilegious communions today that um, it's, it's, it's almost staggering. I was at this one set of conferences and this guy stands up and he says, well, you know, we're starting to find out that X number of people are now in Catholic Church are using contraception, and those same X number of people are traipsing up to communion. And the priest standing at the podium says, yeah, okay, kind of know that. He says, well, I don't think you see the problem. The problem is the Mass. I'm like, wait a minute, I wasn't the one who said that. So they say, he said, uh, the problem is, is the Mass itself, not in itself, but the fact that you have people going to Mass committing systematic sacrilege day in and day out, and it's just, it's eventually, we're going to have to pay the price for this. And, of course, everyone was just kind of stunned, and I think that one of the ways that we can begin to repair the damage caused by other people who receive our Lord sacrilegiously, or if we have done it in the past, is by making holy communions of reparation. 
And that means just by offering up our Holy Communion in reparation to the Sacred Heart for the sins against him. Or you can offer them up uh, in reparation to the Immaculate Heart because she is obviously offended not only at what people say against her, but what people say against her son. We can also offer up our sufferings throughout the course of the day in reparation. These can be offered for others in reparation for our own sins. So sometimes you just offer, I offer it up for so-and-so to repair for the sin I committed when I was you know, 15 or whatever. Prayer, obviously, because through prayer we lift our mind and heart to God, which is a manifestation of glory or of excellence of God and perfection. And so when we do that, we can repair, make reparation to God. Fasting, abstinence, and just mortification in general. We have to begin to adopt a spirit of mortification so that we will be prompt in being willing to make reparation. You know, there is, there is a real mistake among people when they think that, oh, I'll just go to communion and then that's it. I don't have to worry about my sin anymore. No. You know, that's analogous to uh, going to somebody. You ta- you've taken 50 cents of theirs. You know, use a kid's example. Kid takes 50 cents. Goes over to his brother and says, I'm sorry. Well, he still holds on to the 50 cents. And he refuses to give up the 50 cents. Well, if you're not going to give the 50 cents back, then you're not sorry for it. And it's the same thing with people who just go to confession and think, oh, well, now my sin's in the past. Uh Uh-uh. Until you've paid for your sin, okay, it's true that God's not going to hold the, the sin itself against you, but the damage you caused, he still holds against you in justice. You still have to pay that back. So that's what we call the temporal punishment due to sin. So you've got to pay it back. And a lot of people just don't, don't think of that. And, that. and part of that is because they have no spirit of mortification today. People have no concept of the fact that, you know, I should be suffering in order to repair the damage that I've caused. Married couples can, through mutual agreement, forgo licit conjugal relations as an act of reparation. Particularly if they were married, uh, before they were married, they violated the Sixth and Ninth Commandments. Um, it has to be by mutual agreement because... Once you get married, you contract bodily rights, and so the other person has a right, so you have to render the marital debt at any reasonable request. Reasonable request. has to be reasonable. Um, but so that means that you, by mutual agreement, can say, you know, we're going to forego conjugal relations, say, for, for the week in order to uh, make, the, make up for the damage that we caused when we were younger or something like that. Or even to try and make reparation for the people in your own family. Because sometimes if we pay back to God the debt that is due to other members in our family, then he might have a little bit more mercy and generosity towards those other people in our family. We should also foster very strong devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Christ, which I've talked a lot about, in order to make reparation and be very sensitive to that. Lastly, we should strive to seek indulgences frequently. You know, if a person is going to daily Mass, and if you say a rosary... Uh, if you're getting to confession every two weeks or so, you've already met most of the requirements. All you've got to do is say the, the uh, prayers for the Holy Father's intention. If you've met the requirements for a plenary indulgence, you should be doing that frequently. And you can, the plenary indulgence can be applied to yourself. And once you do that, then all, the, all, all of your past sins, your obligations to pay for them, are wiped out for a single plenary indulgence. That's one of the reasons why it's so wonderful. So God, because God is very merciful. And the same thing can be applied to people who die that are in purgatory. You wipe out all, the, all, everything they have to pay back through a plenary indulgence. And partial indulgences can pay back for part of the sins that we, uh, that we have committed. Therefore, you should, in order to make reparation, one of the principal means of making reparation is by 
um, fostering two things. One, a devotion to the holy souls in purgatory who are suffering and try and make reparation for them. And more principally, by developing a habit of gaining indulgences. You can gain indulgences just by the, when you wake up in the morning, just say, you know, um, all the acts, because the church says in the New Increment Indulgence, any pious act can gain an indulgence. So you just say, all the pious acts I get today, I offer the indulgences to Our Lady in reparation to Her Magna Heart or something like that. And everything you do throughout the day that is done with a supernatural intention gets the indulgence. And if you do this, and if you do it consistently, then the likelihood that you're going to spend much time in purgatory goes down. So that if you make reparation to God, not only for the sins in this life, and if you're getting plenary indulgences every time so, so often for yourself, don't hog them all, by the way. You should give a few of them out, too. But every so often you should get one for yourself to make up for the sins of your past life. But if you do this consistently, then God sees that your real desire is to pay back to him the damage that has been caused, but also that you really trust and love his mercy. So work on that devotion. If you will kneel, I'll give you a blessing. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Supervos et Manet Semper. Amen.